Do you remember uh, worth1000.com? No, but I can't just walk up. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode number 30 of the Let's Talk Retouching podcast, the show in which we talk all about retouching and post-production. In this podcast, we take a deep dive into common retouching techniques, best practices, and have you peek behind the scenes of the commercial image making process. The show is brought to you by our high-end retouching studio, Boutique Retouching, and the educational platform, LearnPostProduction.com. My name is Daniel, I am your host and the founder CEO of Boutique Retouching. Before we get started though, producing such a podcast takes quite some time and dedication. And if you appreciate what we do here, I'd be happy to know you hit that subscribe button in whatever podcasting app you are using and for you to become a long-term listener. Another thing, we have been absent of iTunes for a while, for whichever reason I had to deal with support. It was quite a struggle, but we are back there. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode with our guest, Daniel Meadows from the US and welcome our guest. So hello, Daniel. Hi. Welcome on the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm great. I'm having a great day. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. It's a little bit late over here, but luckily the cat is sleeping. Good. So is mine. Um, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that the cat uh, stays asleep. Same um, here. We don't have any yelling. All if right, not, good. we're going to have <laughs> some interruptions here in our recording. <laughs> That's fine. Which could become its own thing over time. Yes. Like, yeah. You could do like an outtake reel of, yeah. of just cat noises. And eventually the cat good. will get her own Instagram and stuff like yeah. this. Instagram famous. Yeah. She's going to be an influencer. A podcast interrupter. <laughs> it's going to be a title. So, okay, let's get it started. Okay. You are currently living in the US. So um, tell me about that. You are originally from the UK. Yes, I'm, I'm from Manchester, England, originally. And I've been in Savannah, Georgia in the US for almost six months now. It's a bit of a difference. I'm used to Manchester where there are lots of ad agencies, plenty of retouch work in-house. Uh, London's only a couple of hours away on the train. To move here where I'm three, four hours away from Atlanta is uh, it's a big change, big, big change. Oh, yeah, the distances are so vast in the US, right? Oh, it's huge, huge country. Absolutely. I'm massive, especially when I'm just used to uh, used to the British Isles. This is yeah, enormous. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to drive an hour and a half. Yep. No, nothing like that. No, it's uh, my wife and I drive seven hours to go and see her mother-in-law at Thanksgiving. So it's... And that's in the next state. It's it's big. Bigger than I'm used to. Yeah. But I hope you have better weather than we have here. So Much better weather. Have you been to England? Yeah. yeah. I've been to the UK. So you know what the weather's like. But then. interestingly, every time I went over to London, <laughs> it was sunny for like a week and warm. And like, that's yeah. the one, right. You, that's the one week of summer we get. Yeah. You saw the one single week of summer that that we Brits have every year. Yeah, I should go there more often. But anyway, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that retouching stuff. You just said you've been working a lot in-house, in agencies. Mm. So how did it come to be? So let's dive into like how you eventually got into using Photoshop and all that stuff. So way from the beginning. Way from the beginning. Yeah. The beginning was... Um, do you remember uh, worth1000.com? 
No, but I heard a cat, cat just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a cat. That was great. You were gonna leave that in. I like okay. the cat. It, add, it adds atmosphere. Worth1000.com was one of the it was like a almost like a Photoshop and photography battle website where people did um composites to win prizes. We're talking 15 years ago. It was a, it was a long time ago in internet terms. Yeah. It was like when people were using modems, like literally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was using Photoshop six back when modems used to scream at you for thirty seconds, you know, just to connect to the internet. I'm sure there'll be older listeners here who were using, you know, much earlier versions or did the dark room thing, thinking I sound very very young. And there'll be younger listeners listening and thinking I sound very, very old talking about Photoshop 6. <laughs> yeah, Photoshop 6. What is that thing that doesn't have the creative cloud, right? Pre-CC, yeah, exactly. But I, um, I, I just got myself um, involved with um, these Photoshop battle communities where we used to um, make funny composites uh, based on a different theme every week. And I was just doing that while I was studying, uh, studying theatre, film and television, so York. And at the same time, I was just using Photoshop as a, as, as a hobby. And eventually I ended up getting into graphic design, doing uh, flyers for local businesses, and then realized that I was enjoying anything where the client was providing me with photographs. I was enjoying working with them more and I was getting more job satisfaction from it because with graphic design and a lot of my designer friends have said this, when you start with a blank canvas and the client wants you to make magic for them from nothing. Sometimes they're over the moon. Sometimes you do a great job for them and they still hate it. You know, it's just, it's not what they imagined. Yeah. And it's the thing like starting from like scratch. It's, I, yeah. ima I yeah. imagine like in retouching, we paint over an image. We have that template. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're not starting from scratch. If I were to just draw roughly a person, I would be like, I have no idea. <laughs> I can <laughs> yeah. do gradients, but I cannot paint a face i don't have great traditional art skills um i i could do the uh graphic design artwork i was fine with that but i just really really enjoyed doing the the retouch and it was very very basic at first you know removing a few blemishes clipping a few things out i will admit to you now that i used to use a bit of a blur layer like a gaussian blur on skin like 10 years ago that was the normal thing that was retouching yeah well yeah um and then it all started to it all started to take off didn't it i mean there, there were websites that uh i remember when um model mayhem came to my attention now there was a time when as a retoucher that was you know there was so much information on there that you weren't gonna find anywhere else and i, I remember that helped me develop quite a lot there were some great retouchers in there, some of whom have, have gone on to great things, huge things. Yeah, back then when everything was like small and more like an actual community. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was much more of a much more of a small uh, small community there. Everybody everybody knew each other. But I think um, 
what came from that for me at least was I was lucky enough to live near a big city where there were um, advertising agencies, particularly um, a few sports where who had their own uh, marketing teams in house. So if you see an ad in Britain for um, any kind of training shoes, sneakers, sportswear, yeah. um, there's a high chance I've done something to it at some point. But on top of that, I got the, um, I've always had the occasional photographer who will contact me and say, I've got this um, advertorial for Chanel in, in Harper's. Do you want to, you know, do you have time to take it? Yeah, I've got time to take it. This is beautiful. You know, I've, I get those occasionally, but my the bread and butter of my work has always been the uh, been the sportswear stuff. Yeah, I think most retouchers they just make money off of commercial jobs. Uh, that's just the reality. Yes, definitely. Uh, the other stuff sometimes it's just uh, yeah, yeah. You're more free to put in your own creative thoughts. Yes, yeah. Um, and I mean, I love the editorial stuff. There's nowhere near as much money in it. And I think most of your listeners probably know that already. It's great getting a job that's that's going to be um, a seven-shot editorial in L, maybe. But it's it, it doesn't pay as well as going in-house and working for a, for a large company, taking dust off shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it just doesn't pay as well. Yeah, I mean there are still other fields. So um, the uh, beauty world is also a commercial thing. Even though yes. beauty is put in uh, editorials, there are also commercial jobs on the beauty side, which are also more technical than the editorial stuff. But we, I think, a little bit later in the podcast, we will get into like how people could maybe approach uh, going the advertising route. Mm. So. How was it when you first discovered Photoshop? You said you've been using Photoshop 6 or yes. something? Yeah. yeah. So um, have you been playing around with just like in your free time and then you uh, eventually got better and decided to like, when, when was yeah. it when you uh, were sure I want to make money off of that? Well, what happened was my, my life took a strange kind of path. And I, as I said, I, I studied theater, film and television at university. And then after that, I went on to open a coffee shop, which oh, was... coffee is a nice topic. So <laughs> let's just quit retouching and let's just talk about coffee. <laughs> oh, no. Coffee's great. I love coffee. We can do that. Okay. Maybe another time. So, <laughs> okay. Maybe. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, you've been studying. Yes. So I studied theatre, film and television at university, and then I opened a coffee shop. And the coffee shop didn't do particularly well, largely to do with a business partner that I had. And when I finished there, when I just walked out on that, uh, I thought to myself, how do I make money now without taking a nine to five somewhere? You know, I could walk into a a supermarket and say, hi, do you have any jobs stacking shelves right now? I'm at a low point here. My business has just failed. I'm ready to just, you know, ready to take anything. And the people around me who I was close to, family, friends, said, no, you can do more than that. And I was thinking to myself at the time, look, I can, I know how to use Photoshop. This is something that I've 
played around with as a hobby. This is something that I love, something that I've always gone back to. Can I make any money out of this? Who needs people who can use Photoshop? I never at that point really uh, thought that this would lead to a career, that it would lead to something that would be my my income, would be uh, my life as, you know, I, this, is, this is me, I'm a, I'm a professional full-time retoucher. And I would say to anybody listening, especially if you live near a major city, if you're wondering if you can work full-time as a retoucher and, and, and do this and this be your career, if this is what you love doing, uh, you can do it. This is, this is something that, that you can do. It's easier when you live near a major city, though. Um, and this is what I'm finding right now. Yeah, it is. Because the bigger yeah. agencies, they are in the bigger cities yep. and they require you to come in and do the work yeah, and they do. being contracted, yep. not to yep. use your own devices and stuff. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And that's, but that's a side that is not often communicated in the retouching industry among the online side of community things. Yeah, and the, the, the price of online work now, it's come down so, so much because... There are people in who started off in in developing countries with lower wage requirements. It started out that the quality wasn't quite there. The quality is there now. The, the, there are people working for ten dollars an hour US who are good. So it, we're getting to a point now where. Unless you're near a major, if you're near a major city, you're still going to be able to find, or if you want to move to a major city, you're still going to be able to find work with an agency. But um, the online remote working that used to be, there used to be so much of it, that's becoming a lot more competitive now, much more competitive than it ever was before. Yeah, that is so true. So how did you then decide, okay, I'm going to, figure out how to do this thing and you were basically starting from scratch so how did you plan out on moving forward with this and saying like okay i can do that and how did you eventually end up with your first client like your real client um i remember who my first real client was it was um it was a job for uh, l'oreal paris via a photographer who was based in dubai And I remember I'd put together a, a portfolio of work with the free images that were floating around on, you know, modelmayhem.com or whatever. And I'd put together a website and I remember this guy, he contacted me directly through my website, through the email and said, I've got this job for L'Oreal. It's only one shot on a tight deadline. Can you handle this? And I said, yeah. Yeah, of course I can. Absolutely. Of course I can handle it. I would love to. What could be so hard? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Why could this possibly be difficult? You know how they say fake it till you make it. I just thought, you know, yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. I'm, I have the confidence in myself to take on this job. I suspected he thought more of my experience than I actually had. I, I think I put forward a very experienced professional front at that point where I didn't really have professional experience. And he took a chance on me and um, I worked for him for a long, long time, worked on a lot of, uh, a lot of great editorials and, 
and ad campaigns. That's where a lot of my bigger credits came from. So if I can say, you know, to somebody, oh yeah, I did a did this job for Chanel or Louis Vuitton or Bulgari or you know this thing in Marie Claire, but I, a lot of those credits came from working for him for the um, Arabian market for a long time. Had some amazing shots from him, but that was my first major client. And uh, on the strength of some of that work, I just got more clients and uh, eventually on-site work in Manchester in my local city. And it just went from there. Yeah. And then eventually you can tell your mom's like, hey, that work in this magazine or that billboard, I worked on it. And they're <laughs> like, ah, I don't understand. You did yeah. what? Yeah. No, it's a good feeling. Yeah. I, I did all this from, from home. Yeah. It's um, that, that annoys people sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Do you know, has anybody said to you that they think what you do is e if you're working from home, it must be easy? Yeah. Do you, do you ever get the feeling that people think, you know, I, I have to go to, to a workplace and do, you know, this nine to five and, and whatever. I mean, I do the same thing. I work contracted for agencies and I know nine to five and I also know remotely working from home and it's working from home is not easy. Never, no, it's never not. Easy. You kind of distract yourself all the time when oh, there's yeah. no one around. And on the other yeah. side, it's like you, you try to work constantly without taking breaks. And yeah, yes. there's, yeah, it comes with its own challenges. Yeah, it does. But I had another story with my mom. At some point, I was like um, at their place at home and looking at some advertising papers that that were lying around. I was like, oh, I know that girl. And she was like, huh? I was like, yeah, she, uh, she's the friend <laughs> of another friend photographer. And yeah, that's when you're working in that field, you just know. No, I know. It's great. Like, yeah. Yeah, just walking past, um, I, I think I was teaching um, a, a seminar in, in London one time. And uh, as soon as I got off the train, there was a huge poster of, of something that I'd worked on uh, just a few weeks earlier, just greeting me as I got off the uh, as I got off the train and onto the tube. And it's just it's stuff like that's just really cool. Really, really cool. Yeah, it, it never gets old, does it? It yeah. never, ever gets old. It's Or a good even, feeling. Even other things, just the other day I uh, went, uh, so I did an editorial for a photographer from Paris uh, and they shot with a model from Russia. Yeah. And super young, like I think by the time when they did the, the shoot, she was like 15 or something right and um like half a year later i walked through my city and a hairdresser salon they had another image of that model yeah so that's super nice and i just like i was connected to the model as well so i just like hey spotted you in my city and so like so yeah that's, yeah that's yeah. The kind of it's good pleasure feeling. stuff yeah, yeah. Even, yeah even though i is. didn't work on it it's like great to see like yeah when people are just working and they, they are fulfilling like their dreams somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, there's a lot of that. It's, it's a really cool industry. Sometimes it's not like work. So yeah, we've talked about your first client uh, from Dubai. Mm -hmm. What I want to get into is you've been starting with Photoshop like 10, 15, or more like 15 years. Yeah, more like 15 or more, 16, 17. So how did all that change you went through all the changes in in the industry like how has that changed from you you mentioned already uh, using blur back then and yeah i know it was the thing when 
not necessarily was called retouching. Sometimes they just called it like airbrushing. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have said that to me. It's like, oh, do you mean, do you mean airbrushing? No, no, I don't mean airbrushing. I'm not, I don't use an airbrush. It's not, it's not airbrushing. I mean, you can't expect Mr. General Public to yeah. know all the terminology, but yeah, I've, I've heard that one, Re uh, airbrushing. I think we've definitely seen more of a trend towards the natural because there's been so much of a pushback against um, that early kind of late 90s, early 2000s blur that used to you know, smash out all the poor detail that used to happen. There's been so much pushback against that because it looks appalling, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's dreadful. Yeah. There's been a much more of a shift towards natural, more natural skin, at least, and less body shaping, less body modification, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it it's is. a great thing. I see the same. It's not something that should ever be done. I think there were far too many retouchers taking way too many liberties with people's body shapes. Um, and, you know, we've seen a lot of celebrity push back against that which has been great it has changed the industry for the better it was never a good practice and finally i think uh, it's good to see people being called out on it yeah but also the same in real life i mean there's 10 years ago the plastic surgery that was going on is oh, yeah. the same as like you look at some people who had that procedure done to them it just looks horrible and yeah <laughs> yep No, I know. Uh, th th there have been a lot of mistakes made in retouching over the last 10, 15 years, a lot of mistakes. But I think we're going in the right direction. I think we're definitely, definitely going in the right direction. But on the business side of things, what's changed is the internet. That's the thing that's changed. You can't just kind of, you can't get good at retouching now and absolutely guarantee that you're going to have a lot of well-paid work. Whereas I feel like you kind of could, you, we could all do that 10 years ago. Whereas now I think there's, there's a, a heck of a lot, especially for people in uh, uh, Western nations. If you're in the US, if you're in Western Europe, where the value of your currency is high relative to the rest of the world, you're going to struggle. You're really going to struggle because there are nations where the value of the currency is lower. And if they're being paid in US dollars, if that is where you are right now, you are the, in the best place to take advantage of this and take clients from the US who are paying in US dollars or in euros or in British pounds. You are in exactly the right place right now to take on the remote jobs. Whereas with yourself in Germany and me here in the United States, we are having to step back a little more from the online side of things. We can retain some of our older clients, I'm sure, but it's, it's more difficult now to get clients online than it ever was before. Oh, yeah. But I also have to stress is like for people who previously might not have been a situation where they could make good money now they they are absolutely absolutely they are in maybe eastern europe or um yep or maybe even india when they are really good and working 
to the standards uh, Western countries expect, um, they can do that. And they oh, that was my point. They, those people are in the best possible position now to yeah. to take advantage of this, and they should absolutely one hundred percent be taking advantage of this. Oh yeah. Also, there's going to be a tiny sector that still is going to be valued, which is now mm. that even in cosmetics, there are like, oh, we want images to not look retouched and don't do much to them, but I still want them to look as beautiful yes. as possible, but yeah. they do not yeah. want anyone to see that something was yes. done to the images. So you want a trained eye. Yeah. You, you want a, a, a very practiced eye and a very, very qualified, experienced retoucher to do just the bare minimum that needs to be done. Yeah. Just the bare minimum. And, and it's, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. That's a good look. I like doing those jobs. I think I retouch my own photography less than I actually uh, oh, yeah. do with other people's. That's why I shoot for, oh, I'm just going to scan them and scratch them. And it's like, oh. They don't need to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's like uh, what we just discussed is just recently I had an image of my retouching portfolio taken by someone who practiced retouching. And just by accident, I've seen it being posted in a Facebook group. Wow. And I'm not mad at that person. So, I mean, I just comment as maybe you do not want to use these images without permission and stuff like this. And eventually that person took it down i i i wasn't really mad but it sometimes they just don't understand i think i think sometimes people make errors early in the career and yeah and and that's fine the more interesting thing about this was like um all the people that commented was oh that before image doesn't need any retouching and i was like yeah, yeah. because it was retouched already right yeah <laughs> And that's the thing. Nobody in that group has assumed that the image was retouched. Well, that's a good thing. That's how you know you've done a good job. If it's like, wow, that's an incredible image. How beautiful, how perfect. Doesn't even need any retouching. And you know you've spent at least an hour on it. Then yeah. You know, you've, you've done a great job. So I wish that person didn't just instantly delete it because I would have liked to get more into that conversation of... Yeah. Not to go overboard with the retouching. And actually, that is what many clients now expect as yeah. final images. Yeah. So you wanted to use it more as a learning experience for that person and for anybody else who was observing the conversation happening. You kind of wanted that dialogue to continue. Yeah. I hope also this podcast is going to contribute to that. And among retouchers, we have this discussion and we share what what we're working on and we share our approaches to retouching and how, yeah, yeah. because it's going to be helpful to all of us in the, in the end, knowing where the industry is moving and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've always loved that sense of community. Um, there has always been help available. I don't think there are any secrets left. As far as retouching goes, as far as post-production goes, people have their own little um, techniques or ways of doing things, little tricks. I've, I've probably got a few dozen little ways of I do things in Photoshop that other people might not do. And you might look at it and think, oh, you know, that's cool. I think we can now lift the curtain and explain the secret that your cat is doing all your retouching work. It is, yeah. Yeah, we, we discussed this earlier, Daniel and I, and it is my cat bastard if he leaves the sound in the podcast you might hear <laughs> you might hear <laughs> shouting for some food 
Yeah, Basta. She's named after an Egyptian goddess who was a, a, oh. a cat-headed goddess. See, she, I didn't even know how to name my cat, so I just gave her a name and never used it. What's your cat's name? Um, Lily. I had to think about it. Lily. Oh, that's a good name. I knew a cat called Lily. She was lovely. My friend's cat. I'm going to forward your compliment to Please her. do. Please do. I would like that. Yeah. <laughs> so back to retouching. Um, so we all have our little things, which is sad, and we all have our, sometimes our ways of doing things and some ways are um, working more for one person yeah, and more for the other slightly. person. But yeah, yeah, the online education market, YouTube, you can basically train yourself oh, and become a retoucher. Absolutely. And yeah, that definitely has not been the case like 16 years no. ago um, when forums were a thing where you went there. And I know these um, competitions. So how could you imagine like someone who doesn't really know what a forum is except from like using Facebook? So how <laughs> were these battles going on? See, that's like, incredible. Uh, like I just, just that that you're asking me to, to describe a, a forum environment. Yeah, is, I, it's 2019 I mean, I still, and, and there are people yeah. who didn't really use forums. That's crazy. Do you know, I think there was something about forums that I really liked. There was something more community-based, whereas everything's a little bit more scattered when it comes to Instagram and Facebook. It's like Reddit, but just without the super negative side of Reddit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because everyone had a name and their little avatar. Um, and it didn't really feel like being anonymous on the internet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You had your personality. You, I mean, today you have your Facebook, but I, I know people who are on Facebook and have a career and nobody knows anything about their private yes. life. Yes. Yeah. Or a name or stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No forums. We were, we, we were all very much ourselves, I think. God, we're sounding old and nostalgic. Um, <laughs> but there was a lot of information that started to be shared between uh, photographers and retouchers who were, you know, established agency retouchers started to say, okay, guys, this is, this is how we do things. You know, at the agencies, in the marketing companies, this is how we do things. And it was enlightening. It was eye-opening. And I was one of the people who back then benefited from it because I was always waiting for certain people within those forums to post to, so that I could, uh, you know, I, I kind of figured out who knew what and at what level they were professionally. So as soon as they posted, I was like, okay, well, I know that this guy works for this company. And if he's saying this, then... You know, that's what I'm going to take on board. That's what I'm going to remember. And learning from certain people. And, and, and there were some of those names that, as I said, have gone on to do incredibly well. But it was all a very small, tight-knit little, uh, little community. And it was, uh, it was cool. It was good. It was, it was a really good way to store a huge repository of information just searching through those threads and and if you wanted to find something on how to correct uh, skin tones search in the box find a, a thread where there's a forum full of people all discussing how they do this and you know upvoting 
the best ideas and people giving demonstrations and and it was it was there's so much to learn from and if you just buried yourself in all that information as I did at that time you come out of the other side of it thinking okay I can I'm you know I'm pretty competent now I, I know what I'm doing and as soon as this guy said you know do you want to do you want this job from uh, from this L'Oreal uh, ad I've done I said yeah yeah, I can do that. Absolutely. Why not? And I just never looked back from it. But I also think nowadays the information is much easier to get to, but also harder to get. There's too much of it. Yeah. You go to YouTube yeah. and you're like correcting skin tones and oh, you get five videos, know, the ultimate way to correct skin yeah. tones and like, yeah. what's the best one? And they all tell yep. you something different. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always kind of said if... If it works, it's the right way. If you get a good result, it's the right way to do it. A lot of people early on don't know what a good result is. Like, I, I can tell you now, I have used that. Uh, you know, we were laughing about using a Gaussian blur layer earlier yeah, sure. on. I've used a Gaussian blur layer to make dry, flaky toes look clear on a, a lookbook um for a, a spring collection last year, I think. And on loads of shots, I was just using a Gaussian blur layer to get rid of this white dryness on the model's toes and then adding a little bit of noise back in on that Gaussian blur layer. And you know what? It looked perfect. There's, there's always a time for a really, really naughty technique that you're not supposed to use. It's just knowing when to use it and when not to. Yeah. Most cases is when you can't figure out how to solve something, then it's some, It's probably time to dig out some weird techniques. Just, yeah, yeah. You, you can get really, really down and dirty and, and, and do, like, uh, I've used what's... God, I'm giving... <laughs> I'm admitting this is like a confessional. <laughs> Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Well, I have used the Gaussian Blur. What else have I done? Uh, dust and Scratches. I've used that oh, on yeah. a black shoe that uh, oh, had yeah. so much dust on it and I was really under heavy pressure for a deadline. Probably not much texture going on there. Or... Not a great deal of texture. And you know what? You know, I just had to go back in and I, I, I painted uh, on a mask just, you know, the worst offenders and, and added a bit of noise back into it, kind of got the texture back and it, it looked perfect. But yeah, dust and scratches. I have used dust and scratches and I am not ashamed. <laughs> sometimes you know sometimes you can use a bad technique but i think the the problem is if you're being taught that that is the way to do that and you go away and you start to try and apply those really dodgy techniques to every image you work on you're going to have really bad results and that's that's yeah. what youtube's doing right now it's it's just a wash with really really bad techniques that are not going to serve anyone well in an agency yeah that's true and i also think of it as learning the quickest way to do something usually is an easy way to sell information but not necessarily the best way to do something yes yeah yeah i mean i can start a youtube video now that says you know how to retouch this portrait in under nine hours and nobody's gonna watch that <laughs> yeah there'll be you know, just... a few people who really want to watch me retouch a portrait for nine hours most people the one that's going to get a million hits uh is is going to be the one that says how to retouch this portrait in less than five minutes that's yeah. the one that's going to get all the hits 
That is true. But it's also a thing like I also tell people when they look for educational material is you do not want to skip the phase of learning a technique just to skip through some steps and to to save some time here and there. Yes, because absolutely. What it means is that with those people, they end up at a, a in a scenario where their work doesn't get better and they wonder why. And most of yeah. the time, yeah. it means always to go back to the basic and refining the technique there. Because they learned frequency separation yeah. and they never learned how to dodge and burn. That's a big one that I see at the moment. Um, you know, if, if, if you use frequency separation and you're going to obliterate everything in the tones in that mid-range, it can look kind of cool, I guess, from, you know, like on yeah. Instagram, on a cell phone. It doesn't look great close up. It looks like you've got this scratchy, crunchy texture just floating on a blancmange. It's it's awful. And yeah, I always tend to say it's like floating texture of of yeah, leather yeah. on some blurred skin tones. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. But there are people who can get those immediate results. You know, they'll go to a website that says, you know, how to how to get this skin uh, result in in five minutes. And they're like, wow, this is this is a huge change. What a dramatic change I've made in just five minutes. This is incredible. This is what I do now. This is how I retouch skin. And if they've never learned how to dodge and burn, they've yeah. never sat there for an hour with a tiny little clone brush dealing with texture and fixing texture, if they've never done that and they've not spent many, many, many hours, days, weeks doing that for years, they have no foundation. There's, you need that. You need to put that time in, down the frequency separation for a while and just go straight back to basics. I even go as far as saying learning proper dodging and burning helps you with identifying issues in color as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. Um, especially because um, as you are darkening areas, if you're burning areas, you start to see those color shifts where it's a little yep. undersaturated. And then if you're dodging an area, you might find that it's oversaturated. So you have to end up dealing with those little color shifts as well. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it teaches yeah. you a lot. It teaches you so much more than any oh, yeah. quick fix or filter does. So this has been it. Episode number 30 of the Let's Talk Retouching podcast is a wrap. I really enjoyed this one and I hope you did too. As you probably noticed, it's been a pleasure talking to Daniel and we had tons of more discussions, which we will continue in another episode. And I really hope you stick around to listen to our future episodes. Um, subscribe to the podcast and I really hope to talk to you in the next episode.